You're listening to the Pastor Writer Podcast, episode 27. I'm joined on the podcast today by Janet McHenry. We talk about her latest release, The Complete Guide to the Prayers of Jesus. I'm continually struck by the relationship between writing and prayer, how writing, like prayer, so often helps us better understand ourselves and articulate what it is we sense God doing in and around us. Our conversation covers a wide range about that relationship, and I hope it challenges you to grow in your own prayer life as it did me. Joining me on the podcast today is Janet McHenry. She's the author of more than 20 books with bestsellers including 50 Life Lessons for Grads and a list of books on prayer. She and her husband reside in Northern California where Janet was previously a journalist and a school teacher and today she finds herself devoting all of her time to writing and we're talking specifically today about one of her most recently released books, The Complete Guide to the Prayers of Jesus, one that I just finished reading and highly recommend. So Janet, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chase. It's great to be with you today. Well, maybe a good place for us to start is, uh, like so many people I know who do writing, uh, you have had careers prior to writing as a part of writing bivocationally. Uh, I'm interested, at what point in your life did you start to sense that writing was something, not just you were doing in journalism or maybe teaching in high school, but that there was something about your faith, something about what God was calling you to do that included utilizing this writing as a part of your calling? When did you start to sense that developing? Um, it was not even something that I necessarily saw other than I just was uh, at a point in my life where I was praying, God, use me, you know. And I went off to a, a ladies' retreat uh, near Lake Tahoe, and the speaker at that retreat said, now I want you all to go outside. I want you to find a rock and sit on it until God speaks to you. <laughs> and um, I'm a pretty obedient person. I was rather skeptical about that whole process. But uh, I did find my rock, and I sat there. And very soon, you know, as I was just seeking God um, to speak to me, he said, and uh I don't know if there's audible words, but it was just such a strong sense in me that I just know it was true. I want you to write for me. And at that time, I honestly didn't know what that meant. I, you know, I, I had been to Christian bookstores. I knew that there were Christian magazines and things like that. But I did not know how to go to, about that process of writing professionally. I had been a newspaper journalist and I had even tried once to write a little article for women's magazines. I sent it out to 14 different magazines. And within a couple of weeks, they all said, no, thank you. So I had kind of thought my freelance writing possibilities were not going to happen. But shortly after that, I saw a little ad in um, the Billy Graham magazine, Decision Magazine, that talked about uh, the Billy Graham School of Christian Writing in Minneapolis. So I uh, showed my husband that. I said, I, I think I'm supposed to go to this because I really don't know what this means. I want you to write for me. And he he blessed me in that. And so I went to that conference. And what I mainly learned there was I had a lot to learn, <laughs> a lot more to learn. And I actually ended up going to two other uh, week-long writers, Christian writers conferences uh, that next year. So uh, that's something I highly recommend for anybody thinking about going into writing is to go to a professional writers conference and and see what the whole publishing world is about. 
I've, like I said, I've, I've had this copy of your, your, I think it's the most recently released book, uh, The Prayers of Jesus. And I noticed in the acknowledgments, as you're sort of setting up the, the beginning of the book, you write at one point, um, writing the complete guide to the prayers of Jesus was such a privilege that every time I sat down to study, research, write notes, or put words on the computer screen, I was completely humbled that I should be given this opportunity. Um, when I think about writing about prayer, uh, I always think that it is an incredibly humbling topic because who, who who claims to be a master of prayer, right? Who says, uh, I've got this no. prayer thing <laughs> under control. I've got it all figured out. So it is. It's, a, it's an unbelievably exposing topic. I think it takes a certain amount of humility to do it well. Uh, at what point in that process did you say, because this book is really just one uh, many in a list of books that you've written that focus on the topic of prayer. Uh, how did that become a, a certain topic for you that was at the core of how you understood your calling to write? Um, prayer was, uh, really never something I did well. <laughs> and about 20 years ago, I found myself in a kind of a physical mess. Um, my knee had given way when I walked out my back door. So I, I knew I needed to do something about, you know, my physical condition. But I also knew that for some time God had been calling me to spend more time with him. So I thought, I'll, I'll just get up. I'm a multitasking woman. I'll just get up a little bit earlier in the morning and I'll walk. I'll walk for a little bit and I'll try to walk a little bit more every day and I'll sort of take care of prayer. You know, during that time, that was my limited kind of scope of what uh, a prayer life was, you know, uh, sticking it to sort of pockets of time that I could find conveniently. And um, that kind of all changed one day when I saw what I call a single daddy's ballet. <laughs> Uh, this young man got out of his pickup truck on Main Street, and I live right in Main Street in my little town here in the Sierra Nevada. And he handed over this blanketed bundle to a date the daycare worker up on the sidewalk. It wasn't even six o'clock in the morning, so it was still dark at that time. And this little baby girl said, "Bye, Daddy, love you." And um, it, it was like this moment where God said, "This is why I have you out walking and praying." open your eyes and pray for whatever you see. So I prayed for that young man commuting off to Reno an hour away. And I prayed for that little girl and the other little people who would be in that daycare center. And I began opening up my eyes to the other needs in my community and sort of taking care of prayer turned into the practice of prayer walking. And um, that was what led to um, my first book on prayer, which was Prayer Walk. That was in 2001. I'd written 13 children's books up until then, and I thought that I was going to um, write the great uh, Christian novel, and that didn't pan out. And And my um, I was agented by that time, and my agent said, well, why don't you write about this thing you're doing, this prayer walking thing? Because we were also in a like a prayer group together. And I was so excited about how the changes in my life that were occurring and, and feeling like as though I was partnering with God from my community. And I said, you know, I, I just don't think that's a book. I think it's five words. You walk in, you pray. And she said, no, I, I think it'll work out. And it, and it did. And um, Prayer Walk um, did very well. And um, it was just it wasn't uh, like here. Look at me. I'm. I'm. This is. will will answer all of your needs, or this is how to pray, or whatever. But it was about my experience and about falling in love with my personal trainer, Jesus. Um, I pictured him um, waiting on my front steps every day. He said, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And um, if you 
come in, I will sub with you and on you with me. And so I began thinking of him sort of, you know, the two of us walking together and his showing me the needs of my community. And so at that time I began kind of reading through the Bible for, uh, I was so hungry to learn more about prayer, reading through the Bible, marking every place I could find in the Bible from cover to cover about prayer and then specifically focusing on Jesus' prayer life, what he taught about prayer, uh, what he did as prayer practices, his prayers themselves, and even how he still uh, advocates for us today. So the prayer walking actually led to the writing about prayer. It wasn't something I certainly ever felt expert in, but um, really sort of a privilege to be able to, to partner with a couple of different publishers about about prayer and you know how to make it more of a, a natural thing that you do instead of necessarily just a list that you work through you know at the end of your day I think prayer is probably one of those topics that when it comes to writing uh, we'll never fully exhaust what we can't write about it because there's well there's never going to be a definitive book so this is sort of the book on prayer because so much of our praying is influenced by um, what's around us, the context of our situations, the sort of the, the skill sets or the experiences that we bring with us. Um, I'm curious um, what influences you've had in, in learning to pray. So whether those are come from your past as a teacher or a journalist, um, obviously a big impact is just the, your local community and the context of praying within it. But uh, influences on how you how you learn to pray and what what has shaped you in the way that you pray? Uh, I've read a lot. (laughs) Um, I think one writer who has been especially um, influential in my life is Jennifer Kennedy Dean and her writings. um, She did uh, like really a pivotal work that I think is important for anyone interested in prayer called um, Live a Praying Life. And it talks about the difference between having a prayer life and a praying life. Your prayer life is where maybe you have a little list or, you know, at the end of the day, oh yeah, hi God, um, nice to stay in touch. Uh, But really kind of having more of a praying without ceasing sort of a mindset where you really sense God's presence throughout the day. Um, Her her work has been really important to me. Uh, Richard Foster's, of course, prayer. Um, Many, I mean, I have five, I could walk into my office right now and and list off titles of five different shelves of prayer books on prayer that I have. Um, I've read a lot of the prayer classics, um, Spurgeon and, you know, Brother Lawrence and the Pilgrim and on and on, you know, really old works and, uh, then more modern pieces as well. But, uh, I, um, I just, uh, I, I feel like there's, we can never know too much, (laughs) We can never not read enough about um, how to communicate with the God who has pursued us through generation after generation after generation. And even Jesus, his secondary teaching other than about eternal life was about how to communicate with him. So it's it's essential, I think, to, um, to really, I say work at prayer, but to um, develop more of a consciousness that wherever we are, there's a need for prayer. And wherever... Um, whatever was is within our eyesight, you know that we can we can become more intercessory in terms of our outlook and um, and just expect God to work in our lives. You know, if you read the scriptures from from cover to cover, you see that He does work. You know, He does answers prayer, and He simply wants a humble heart to seek Him. 
When you read through your book, one of the things that comes through is a, a certain amount of personality. I mean, you, I feel like you get a sense for, for you and your heart for prayer and your own past, sort of the context of your praying. Uh, I think one of the reviewers I saw on Amazon described the voice as being warm. It's sort of a, uh, a friendly conversation about how do we better understand prayer and how Jesus is leading in it, us into it. And of course, as you mentioned, there's sort of the famous, you know, the disciples come to Christ and ask, you know, teach us to pray that this learning to pray is always seems to be in some way a relationship act. It's strengthening the relationship you have with Christ. But so often the model of prayer, the learning that we do in prayer, it is, it's shaped by these great men and women through literature or through our own life experiences that have modeled prayer and, and taught us to pray. Um, as you were sort of sitting down with Jesus's prayers in this book, uh, I'm curious what the research process looks like for you, how you sort of just tangibly went about it. Uh, how did you keep track of what you were discovering? How did it make its way into the writing and stay organized? Uh, I'm a pretty simple writer. I work with a yellow pad, not necessarily some sort of a computer program. And it was the scriptures themselves. Um, I listed out every reference in the Gospels and even into Acts related to Jesus and prayer. Uh, and I categorized those into different kinds of prayer that I, I felt that we could learn about. And so each of the 14 chapters in the book is a different kind of prayer. It starts out it, actually with Jesus listening in prayer, the Father speaking to him, and then um, his time in the desert when he was facing temptations. It tells us he fasted, and we know that the, the Jews, when the Jews fasted, that they also, it was really a time of prayer. Um, you know, his prayer for daily needs and so forth, the different kinds of prayer and so I was, I categorized those and I looked at his teachings and his practices and I tried to think about where in which chapter would each of these teachings best fit. So I, it was just a process where um, I had big kind of uh, charts of different kinds and tried to um, honestly represent what I thought made sense in terms of the way uh, he was teaching us about how to communicate with the Father. So it was as simple as that, and then occasionally drawing in other research sources I felt, you know, through the readings that I've done, that I felt uh, tied into that. Also thinking about Jesus' prayers in terms of how so many times they echoed pieces from, you know, what we call the Old Testament now, the scriptures, and then going back to those like Psalm 22, uh, used so much in the New Testament, and and what maybe what Jesus was perhaps trying to uh, allude to as he was referring to those kinds of pieces. So um, just tried to do my best. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my writing style is very conversational. Uh, an earlier book on prayer I wrote is called Prayer Streaming, um, and it's called Staying in Touch with God All Day Long. And it's about trying to develop a, you know, more of a, a praying life or a praying without ceasing sort of attitude. And I looked at all of the, you know, a whole bunch of old classics, and I, I call it a prayer, my name for it is Prayer Classics for Dummies, because I felt like it's, they're just, for a lot of people, they're not very accessible. They're, they're heavy, um, they're wordy, uh, the language is, you know, seems old to us, and so I, I, in my writing, I try to write for, I think of even my audience, uh, I taught high school uh, juniors and seniors English, and, um, uh, even though I can, I can write formally, I believe that uh, to 
you know, to achieve, you know, uh, the ability to reach an audience that you, that you need to, you know, speak commonly, you know, bring it, bring it down to, you know, conversational kinds of things. So I like, I like to look at my writing as a conversation with the reader and uh, share from my heart different uh, incidents that perhaps relate and uh, to give them anecdotes that can, you know, they might be able to relate to it overall. You mentioned uh, as you were sort of studying Jesus's prayer, just how often he is using language or alluding to scriptures from the Old Testament. Um, the Psalms show up everywhere. I've actually been in the church that I pastor. We've been working through the book of Acts, and I've just been reminded again and again of every time someone speaks, every time someone prays, it's either direct quotations or allusions or language that draw you back in, just how much of their lives were soaked in the scriptures and the words that they use, the way that they prayed. Um, as you spent this much time, I mean, writing an entire book, going through the whole Gospels, finding every allusion to Jesus and prayer you could. I'm curious how sort of immersing yourself in that much scripture, Jesus's prayers, how it changed your own prayer life or the impact it had on the way that you now think or practice prayer. Oh, um, huge. <laughs> Even since just, just the process of writing the book and taking uh, deeper looks at some of those prayers, like there's um, uh, the chapter I write about Jesus' prayer in trouble uh, when he had entered Jerusalem for the last time, you know, and as he entered, he's riding on a donkey. People are laying palm branches at his feet. They're crying Hosanna. And I'm trying to think of the, like the disciples, how they're taking all this in, you know, someone's leading this donkey. And afterwards, you know, the, the disciples are probably pretty jazzed, you know, because maybe this was solidifying for them that he was indeed the Messiah he was, you know, they were thinking he's going to be king. Sweet. We are in the in crowd. We are going to, you know, we're going to be right up there with him. This is going to, this is cool beans and, and all of that. But what is, how does Jesus actually respond? <laughs> he says, my heart is troubled. He switches around. My heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, I came for this very reason. Father, glorify your name. And that prayer um, to me, as we are um, facing trouble or whatever situation we're in, or just kind of as a, a, a life prayer, glorify yourself through me, Father. Um, how, however I respond to people, however I speak to them, however I behave, you know, whatever I might write, if we're praying, Father, glorify yourself through me, I think it, it is um, kind of a perfect prayer. That in the, uh, you know, take this cup from me, but not mine, but your will be done you know, perfect kinds of prayers to be able to pray so that our hearts begin to be aligned with his. And then um, actually our prayers begin to be aligned with his as well. I know you do quite a bit of speaking as well, sort of at conferences or working with groups. I know I often see on social media that you'll even do FaceTime with study groups or Bible studies, prayer groups that are using your materials. Um, as you're sort of interacting with people around this topic of prayer, what are some of the reasons or maybe some of the reasons you observe that people really struggle with making prayer a discipline of their lives? As you've sort of already mentioned, more than just a casual sort of before I fall asleep at night or when I sit in a service on Sundays, but really integrate prayer into the way that they live? First, I think um, it may be simply um, a lack of discipline. <laughs> and that sounds harsh, but that's only because I look at my own life and have seen how that was true for me. 
But second, it might be just sort of a, a mentality. Well, prayer doesn't really work. You know, um, you know, I prayed, I tried it. Look, um, you know, even in my own life, I, I lost that job. God, why did I lose that job? Or, or why did my dad die of ALS? Or why did we lose my sister Nan, you know, to cancer? She was pretty young, God. So those kinds of things, like why pray anyway? God's going to do whatever he wants. But then I think we have to come back to, um, you know, to Jesus. If we look at him and, you know, what he was teaching us, we we pray because we'll, we want to follow the example of, of Christ to begin with. Um, also because we have an inherent need to be or should have an inherent need to be with the creator who actually loves us. You know, like if you're married and you spend no time together, you know, it, uh, what is the sense in that? How is a relationship actually going to develop? You know, yes, we can read his word. Um, and that is really important, but to also just kind of lay out your stuff, you know, with him, your needs and just, um, you know, just your moods and all of that. Uh, we also, we pray because, uh, he said, ask and you shall receive, you know, he said, he doesn't say, um, you know, he, and he didn't say, um, uh, if you pray or, or any of that, he said, when you pray, pray, you know, pray like, pray like this, you know, he taught us to pray, you know, we, so I think when you love someone, you want to spend time with them or you say you love them, you have to spend quality time and, and that helps, as I said earlier, align our hearts and mind more closely with him so um, that our lives will begin to really reflect him and his presence in our lives. Just like um, you think about, they talk about older couples, you know, how they begin to talk alike. They finish each other's sentences. And some say they even begin to uh, look alike, you know. And I think that's that's what we want, you know, that we want to we want to ultimately reflect who our Lord is, you know, that others can look at us and say, Hey, you know, what's different about you? You, you seem to really, you have joy in your life. Why, why is that? And so then we have the opportunity to share about the Lord who loves us. I'm always struck uh, reading through the the prayers of David, the Psalms, uh, just how much honesty and transparency show up that this isn't a sort of, and I think as you point out, one of the challenges we have with prayers, so often we think sort of pragmatically about it, right? What am I going to get out of it? How's it going to benefit me? Does it work? Does it work as quickly as I want it to? Uh, versus David, who, who in so many of these Psalms doesn't seem to be, and I, you see this in Jesus's prayers too, doesn't seem trying to like leverage it for a, uh, for a certain impact or benefit, but instead just sort of coming. And I think the phrase you used was laying it all out there, sort of processing his emotions, processing the events of his life, and then sort of through prayer, working himself back to, God and truth. And um, it really does sort of more than something we just use in a moment of need. This lifestyle of prayer becomes a way of thinking, a way of being, a way of sort of, of processing through life. And you're right in so doing, deepening that relationship, just like we would with a spouse over years of time. Yeah, he, um, you know, David, many of his psalms really are laments, you know, he's venting, you know. Uh, but usually, you know, by the last couple verses of the psalm, there's a turn, and that the turn that's a that's an English teacher term. But in poetry, there's a turn, there's a change of attitude of some kind where it's like an aha moment. You're like, oh, 
but I trust you. I look to you, Lord. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. In you, I trust. Something like that. You know, so that can help guide us too as we're dumping our stuff on God and just um, just laying everything out there, how disappointed we are, the pain that we're going through. And, and in fact, Jesus did that, you know. I mean, he's on the cross and he's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, that is um, from Psalm 22, as we were talking about earlier. And uh, so if Jesus can pray those kinds of why prayers, so can we. Yeah, my favorite David Psalm where he does that is the one where he's uh, praying for God to break out the front teeth of his enemies. That's a pretty uh, honest <laughs> prayer, right? <laughs> like he's just laying right. it out. This is exactly, exactly. how I feel. He, if you follow David's prayers, he does. He makes that turn and he begins to remind himself through prayer of what he knows to be true of God. And they really are. They're just unbelievable. If you just sort of take the time to look at what's happening in them, there are these unbelievable models for how to process our lives and deepen that relationship with God. Um, as you think about being a writer, I'm curious how you understand or how you think about the relationship between prayer and writing, if there is one and how it exists. Well, I, I certainly go about my books prayerfully because um, I still don't feel equipped, just like uh, I, mean, I was as a high school, um, I mean, as a college freshman many years ago, and I got there and I just... I, I looked around, I thought, all these people are, they're just so much smarter than I am, God. I mean, I, what am I doing here? I just, I'm going to flunk out. It's horrible. And and then all of a sudden, it's just like God said, you can do this. You know, you can do this. And so I feel like there, uh, if I don't have a partnership with God in whatever I'm writing, that it's going to be a mess. <laughs> it truly is going to be a mess. There's going to be too much of me in there and not not enough of him that, you know, glorifies him and really gives people content and substance to help them, give them a reason to actually open up the book. Um, I, I tell people that my life is in an open book and or magazine article, <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there is, uh, often too much of Janet, you know, sometimes when she gets to the computer and is writing and I ask, I ask God to allow me, um, to use me, um, you know, prayerfully just uh, work through whatever I'm doing and then check me. There was one article I wrote years and years ago, and literally I sent it out 13 times and it was rejected 13 times. And I said, God, you know, what? what is wrong with this? And he showed me a bitter scene in that. I was writing about my marriage. I was using actually, uh, you know, a pen name at that time and he says, you, you take this out. You know, what, what good does it do? It, it just shows bitterness. And um, so I took it out and I sent it out the next time and, and it sold. So that, that was a valuable lesson to me that um, to, to be open and honest, lay out your heart, be willing to be vulnerable with your reader, but also to have the substance that, that God would have you to make it worthy to have your name on the cover, for goodness sake, you know. Um, and as I, you know, I said earlier, my favorite new Jesus prayer is, you know, Father, glorify yourself, you know, glorify yourself in my life and through this writing I'm doing. So that's, I mean, you called me only because I said, use me. So if I, if I'm writing for some other reason, then it's going to be a mess. 
Yeah, I think sometimes people are maybe naive about the process of writing and how much it, it does expose you along the way. Um, I think that writing calls, good writing calls for the same sort of call of prayer and that we come to it with honesty, right? So the moment you try to start using it manipulatively or you're not, you're not honest about motives and why you're writing it, as you sort of mentioned, maybe there's, there's things in you that are drawing you to topics or scenes you just haven't fully dealt with or not ready to write about. So you come to it with honesty and then in honesty, you start to recognize that the writing exposes things in you. It shows things in you. And sometimes that stuff gets cut. Sometimes I think it's what God's calling you into to share those things through transparency and vulnerability. But uh, so much of my own writing sometimes feels like it is an act of prayer. When I get to the end, um, I feel like I understand myself better. I understand what God is doing better, although that's sometimes been a painful process through it, just like prayer can be as well. Well, last um, year when I was writing the book, um, I really had to be dependent on prayer because I'd had two other books that I'd written earlier that year. It was just kind of a crazy set of circumstances the way that happened. So, And my husband and I had a vacation plan, so we did our vacation. And then we came back from the vacation, and I had two, actually two and a half solid months to write the book, and I knew that would be enough time. But then my mother started failing. And she lives 150 miles away. And I ended up having to spend more time at her house taking care of her for um, over two months uh, until we could sell her home and get her in a place as she wanted to do. And uh, so I I was on the road. I was taking care of her four days and then coming home three days and trying to write two chapters a week. And um, it was very challenging. And today I feel as though... um, the whole process of the book, the book itself, the fact that it happened, it really, you know, I'm, I can't say that every word is from the Lord, you know, that's arrogant. But um, I pray that it's worthy. And I, I really consider it God's book. Um, I feel very blessed to have been given the opportunity. Yeah, there's something really powerful about that that comes back to this, uh, this idea that writing and this call to write really is, as you've put it, I just want to be faithful to what you ask me to do, God. And if there are motives that are creeping into that, um, expose them to me so that I can remove them from the process. Because I think it is a great testament to be able to say at the end that whatever I have written here, I'm proud of it. I'm sure there's a lot of me in it and maybe more than it should have been. But at the end of the day, I really do feel like this book, this writing has been an act of obedience, of following you, of, of going where you've led me. Um, I think that's a real gift. And I think, um, you know, I have attended many, many writers' conferences. Uh, I attended the Mount Hermon Christian Writers' Conference for about 20 years. And uh, I think I I did see quite a few writers who would come, new writers, and they would think, you know, they would hand their manuscript to an editor or an agent and say, you know, every word is of God. And God told me that you're going to publish it. And um, I think... (laughs) The best mindset that as a new writer that that someone can have is um, a a sense of vulnerability, um, a sense of teachability, coachability, a sense that you do not know the business until you have really studied the business itself. And I think that that's really important. And that's part of the humbling process. I attended um, a writer's conference again this spring, and um, it was I realized still how much I don't know. <laughs> There's always something more to learn. There's something, a skill to be gained, um, um, a new technique or something like that. And 
And certainly, I think, uh, especially in with prayer, too, I still feel like there's still so much more that I need to know. Um, I'm not done. <laughs> well, maybe we could also uh, begin to wrap up with some more advice for writers. So as you um, as you think back on your own writing, your own history with writing, just advice you would have for those writers who are at the beginning of the process, who are just sort of uh, beginning to learn some of those lessons, things that were valuable that you think they should think about or pay attention to. Uh, I think there are several things that new writers should do. I believe that they should go to a major writers conference and soak in, soak it all in, really learn about the the process of publishing, especially if you want to be traditionally published or if you want that self-published book to be actually good and to, to actually sell, you need to be able to go. You need to learn how to study um, the, the publishing industry itself. So for example, even before I wrote my first nonfiction book, um, I studied, okay, which publishers publish this sort of thing? Um, let me look at this, some of the other books they have in their lines. How long are they? How many words are they going to be? How many chapters do they typically have? How many words per chapter? You know, those kinds of things. I learned the, the art of studying something, whether it was an article or a book form. And I also um, subscribed to Writer's Digest uh, magazine. And I joined Writer's Digest Book Club so that when I tried something new, like I wrote Girls Mysteries for a season, I thought, okay, now how does one actually write a mystery? <laughs> and I read three books. Okay, so that's how you do it. And I took classes on mystery writing and things like that. So I, I don't, I think it's really important to um, understand that you don't know everything unless you, you know, you've been immersed in the industry for a long time. And even those who teach at conferences, I think would recognize that they still have a lot to learn. Uh, I think it um, back in the day, uh, quite a few years ago, uh, when I was beginning writing, I joined a, a critique group as well. And I got feedback on things that I was submitting articles or book ideas and things like that and have had, other critique partners over the years. So, you know, people who are maybe further down the road a little bit more than you are and can give you some honest feedback. And that wouldn't be mom. That wouldn't be husband or wife. Um, you know, it really should be someone involved in the industry who has some experience under their belt. So I think that teachability, that coachability, that sense that I have a lot to learn it's really important before you just sort of throw something together and then throw it out there and then you get frustrated because, you know, your manuscript is coming back. It's getting rejected. Um, maybe there's some more to be learned. And um, that's that's what I would suggest. I think uh, I think of learning as lifelong. You know, that was kind of a thematic idea when I was teaching in school. You know, there were lifelong learners and there's always something new to gain, I think, that we can um, get by going to a conference, you know, taking a course online, something like that. Um, I recently did a, a marketing um, masterclass with um, a fantastic teacher, and I found that to be hugely beneficial, and that's really helped me loads just in, in that area of writing, too, to recognize that really that even if you are traditionally published, as I have been for all, all my books, 23 books, um, eight different publishers over those years, 
that uh, I still have a lot to learn about marketing. So I'm, I'm learning a lot about that and trying new things. And it's actually kind of fun. And it's sort of empowering feeling if you, you feel kind of like maybe I'm not as old as I think maybe if I could keep learning how to do these new tricks, it's been kind of fun. Yeah, well, the secret is we're all learning. So that's not a young or old process. I yes. always feel like I'm catching up as well, too, which I think you're right. If you if you can sort of think about it the right way, it can be one of the joys of the process, that there's always something new, always something interesting. So I'm uh, I'm curious, uh, next project, something already in the works, or have you uh, got writing goals you're currently working on? I'm uh, actually, I have nine of ten chapters finished for a Bible study that I've written. This is the second one that I've written for First Place for Health, which is like a Christian Weight Watchers group, except instead of going to uh, and hearing a pitch at a meeting, you go and you do a Bible study together that helps you get healthier in physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So the four in First Place for Health is the number four. And, uh, and that's I love doing Bible studies. This one is called Strength Training. And it is about developing personal strength in your life. And I'm looking at biblical models for that. So uh, each week of the 10-week study, there's one on Noah, one on Joseph, etc. And I'm currently, I'm on the last chapter I've done, the study for Paul. And I have to write that next couple days and get that off to them. So that's what I'm working on right now. But I have a couple other for prayer titles in my head that haven't quite solidified yet. And uh, of course with uh, publishing, we always need to wait and see how a book does before, you know, you can pitch another something um, to your publisher, but uh, I have ideas. <laughs> I'm well, thankful. I've got, I've got my copy of the latest one and I'll make sure uh, I share it. We'll post links, but what are ways um, if people are interested in picking up a copy or as well, just following the work that you do, some of maybe what you've written previously on prayer, what's the best way for people to be able to follow you or stay in touch? I'm all over Facebook, Janet McHenry, but I also have a Janet McHenry author um, and it's called looking up uh, Janet McHenry looking up page. And, um, my books are on Barnes and Noble. They're on christianbook.com. They're on Amazon, uh, target.com, walmart.com. Um, should be in a couple of the stores in your Christian bookstore. And I have a website as well. They could order directly from me and I could personalize books at janetmchenry.com and would be happy to, um, engage in a conversation or pray for people. I have a a weekly prayer time on Wednesdays where I pray for people. And I also have a Facebook group where I'm praying for people as well. So um, contact me through Facebook, McHenry MC Henry. Well, maybe a good way for us to wrap up is uh, we've done this maybe about every fifth episode or so, depending on our guests. I'll just ask the guests if they might lead us in prayer to close out. Um, so maybe you could just sort of grab a hold of some of the themes from today. So I think this idea of um, most of the people listening or thinking about writing or most working on something sort of somewhere in the process. And maybe you could just pray that God would, uh, that he would rich in our own prayer lives and that he would teach us uh, to, to write and to walk with humility, sort of guide us through that process as you've shared a little bit about. I think it might be a a good way to sort of uh, bring this one to a close. Father God, uh, the call to write is certainly a heavy responsibility, but it's also a delight, Lord. Um, thank you so much for that privilege. I ask that you guide and direct um, every single person who may be writing or thinking about writing. Um, ask for that sense of your presence as they write, that they will seek you and um, your wisdom 
for the words that go on the page. And Father, I asked for a favor. I asked you bless their work. Um, help keep them in your word so that the words that come on their computer screen are words that glorify you in their lives. Help them to make the connections that they need to make. Help them to be prudent in terms of expectations and uh, responsibility to the craft. And uh, just guide and direct them uh, for all the days of their lives. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of that and for your son who showed us how to pray. And uh, we ask that your will be done in our lives. And we thank you again for this privilege of serving you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As always, you can find links to Janet's books as well as the other resources mentioned in today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 27. Also, I'd appreciate it if you're enjoying the podcast, you might subscribe either on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Subscriptions are a great way for me to be able to know who's listening to the podcast, but also so that you'll know when the latest episodes have come out. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. Until next time.